The issue of anti-Semitism is one that obviously spreads beyond Israel. I mean, it impacts Jews all across the world. And it, it is actually very important to understand you know, anti-Semitism did not begin with Israel. It began with Jews. Hello. We were at the National Religious Broadcasters Convention in May of this year, and we interviewed E.J. Kimball. Carl, I'm so glad that you had the opportunity to interview E.J. Kimball. I haven't met him yet, though I'm looking forward to it. His, uh, he's got a great reputation as a Middle East expert, a foreign policy consultant, uh, a nationally recognized expert in U.S. national security. And he uses a lot of depth and experience, uh, legal and management experience, as well as creativity. And uh, you know, anyway, to, to sort of think through how to help pro-Israel organizations uh, and Jewish organizations to fulfill their mission, and, and particularly uh, in fighting anti-Semitism. But that's just one of several things uh, of standing with Israel. And he's really done a really good job at, at reaching out to evangelical Christians and helping Jews who are looking for allies to sort of get comfortable with and build relationships, even alliances with evangelical Christians. And uh, one of the things I was so grateful for this summer, uh, summer of 2023, was that EJ helped us invite Natan Sharansky, the Jewish hero of the last, uh, you know, half century, uh, a man who was uh, uh, nine years in the Soviet gulag, uh, uh, Soviet prison system because of his defense of Jewish human rights and all human rights. Uh, he spent nine years in that Soviet gulag, was eventually released. Sharansky was, and he went, he, he moved here to Israel. He then went into politics. He spent nine years uh, serving in, in the Israeli government, in the Knesset, and even as high as the deputy prime minister. He also then, after that, spent nine years as the head of the Jewish agency probably the premier role as sort of the ambassador of the Jewish world to the Jewish world. And, and I, I got to work for, with Natan Sharansky briefly, just for a few months, really, back in the summer of 2000. But that built a friendship that has lasted 23 years. It was so fun to have Natan speak to a group of pastors uh, that we brought over, uh, that you brought over, Carl, to Israel here to better understand these were young pastors and their wives, better understand what's going on here. And so EJ did just a wonderful job. We were so grateful to set up that meeting uh, so that these young pastors could understand and meet with somebody of the caliber and import of Natan Sharansky. So very grateful for EJ Kimball. I'd love to hear what he has to say. What do you think about the increase of anti-Semitism in our present time? And how can we deal with it as Christians in the U.S. and the Middle East? Well, I'm very concerned, Carl, about the spike in anti-Semitism worldwide, as well as in the United States. It concerns me. I'm not sure. I don't know if we have the time in this podcast to break down all the reasons, but I, I want to mention something that I think is important. And let me draw you to uh, your attention um, to John chapter 10, verse 10, the Gospel of John chapter 10, verse 10. Uh, we all know this verse, uh, but it's, uh, many Christians do. It's very famous. Uh, where Jesus says, the thief comes to rob, kill, and destroy, but I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Now, this verse, Carl, I, I really believe gives us a, a huge insight into the, the roots, the, the rationale of anti-Semitism. And some people are thinking, what are you talking about? That, that, what, does that have, what does John 10.10 10 have to do with anti-Semitism? Well, here's, here's what it has to do with it. What it's describing, what Jesus is describing is Satan versus him, right? Satan is the thief. 
And Satan comes to rob, kill, and destroy. And that's the exact opposite of Jesus who comes to bring life and bring it abundantly. Now, in that verse, what we learn is that Jesus and Satan are diametrically opposed. They're total opposites. They're not equal. Jesus has all authority in heaven on earth. Jesus is all powerful. And Satan is not. Satan is a created being. Jesus is the creator, right? We know this from all the other scriptures. But we know in from John 10.10 10, with, with great clarity that Jesus and Satan are total opposites. So everything God wants, Satan is opposed to, right? Now, once you understand that principle, you understand where anti-Semitism comes from. Let me just briefly explain it. So we know from the Old Testament, from the book of Genesis, for example, that God loves the Jewish people and gave us a promise to bless us. So Satan does the exact opposite, right? So he decides, fine, God's going to bless the Jews. I'm going to curse the Jews. We know from the Old Testament scriptures that God decided to give the Holy Land as a promised land to us. So Satan says, fine, you're going to give them that land. I'm going to take it away, right? We know from the, the Old Testament scriptures that God chose Jerusalem for himself to make it, you know, to make it a praise to his name, right? And to make Jerusalem a city of peace. So Satan says, fine, you're going to make it a city of peace. I'm going to make it a city of bloodshed, right? We know that God chose Mount Moriah. We now call it the Temple Mount to put his temple there that would be holy to the name of God. So Satan says, fine, you're going to pick up a mountain and build a temple on it and make it holy to your name. I'm going to destroy that temple and I'm going to make it unholy. My point is every promise, every blessing that God has made to and for the Jewish people to bless us and to give us life and give it to us abundantly, Satan wants to rob, kill, and destroy it. And that's why so many people in the world hate Jews, right? It's very difficult to understand. Otherwise, if you don't look for a theological reason, then why did Haman in the book of Esther want to annihilate the Jewish people? Why wipe out an entire people just because you were offended by one person? Why did the Pharaoh enslave the entire nation of Israel? Why did Hitler try to kill all the Jews in the world and, and successfully murder six million of us? Why did Stalin treat Jews so horribly and, and kill so many of us? I mean, you just go on throughout history. It, it doesn't actually make sense. And why have so many empires wanted to rob, kill, and destroy Israel, rob, kill, and destroy Jerusalem, right? Think about that. Jerusalem it doesn't sit on the highest mountain in the world. It doesn't have gold. It doesn't have silver. It doesn't have diamonds. It doesn't even have a river. It barely has water. Why in the world would anyone care to rob, kill, and destroy, and conquer Jerusalem over and over and over again and kill Jews in the process? Well, we know from John 10.10 because God has chosen Jerusalem for his own name's sake and wants it to be the capital of the Jewish people. And Satan doesn't want that to happen. So Israel's important to Satan because it's important to God. Jews are important to Satan because we're important to God. Jerusalem is important to Satan because it's important to God, because Satan is the exact opposite of God. And John 10.10 tells us that. So as we understand that, I just think for me, it's incumbent upon Christians to bless and love and stand with Israel and the Jewish people. We don't have to agree with everything that a Jewish person or Israeli does, but we need to show unconditional love to this people, to this nation, to this nation state, to this city of Jerusalem because this city, state, nation, 
and people are important to God. Combating anti-Semitism and helping Americans understand a little bit more about the relationship and unique features of the relationship between the U.S. and Israel. We're going to talk today to an expert who's worked in all of those areas and many, many more. A nice Jewish kid from Western Massachusetts, E.J. Kimball. E.J., we're really glad to have you with us. And um, I want to just say welcome, everyone, to this episode of Inside the Epicenter with Joel Rosenberg, a podcast of the Joshua Fund, a ministry dedicated to blessing Israel and her neighbors in the name of Jesus. I'm Carl Muller, the executive director of the Joshua Fund. And again, I'm joined here today by E.J. Kimball. So many titles, uh, so little time, E.J. I'm really glad to to welcome you to the Epicenter podcast. Well, thanks, Carl. It's a pleasure to be here, and it's nice to see you. Yeah. So let's talk about anti-Semitism for a section. You're the uh, director of Christian Outreach and Engagement, and just so our podcast uh, listeners can know, we're here at the National Religious Broadcasters. Um, we're at the Joshua Fund and uh, All Israel and All Arab News booth. But tell me, you know, you and I share an East Coast upbringing, but what is a nice Jewish boy from Western Massachusetts doing here at the National Religious Broadcasters among us crazy evangelicals? Well, that, that's the same question my father asks me, so uh, you're in good company. I'm here to talk about the issue of anti-Semitism mm-hmm. and the need for the non-Jewish community right. to engage and to start and to work with the Jewish community in fighting back against this evil scourge yeah. that you know, destroys societies. Uh, and, you know, as, as you mentioned, I'm, I'm here with the Combat Anti-Semitism Movement and, and the NRB convention. This is our fourth time being here. And every year we have seen more interest, a better understanding of anti-Semitism. And it shows us that the evangelical Christian community wants to be engaged in yeah. it. So yeah. it's, it's great to be here and great to see so many friends well, uh, here. Uh, really and truly, this is a place where the Friends of Israel all are. And, uh, and that's what's exciting to have you with us uh, because, you know, with Joel living in Israel, uh, having the opportunity to kind of do life there, it's unique and it's different than doing it from the U.S. So really, really glad to have you with us and to help us uh, really understand this. But so uh, let's let's just say anti-Semitism. How are we going to define that? What? How would you define anti-Semitism? So that is a, a great question because it's actually top of mind right now as the White House has been discussing and developing a strategy to deal with the rising anti-Semitism in this country. Mm. And the debate that is in the news is how are they going to define yeah. anti-Semitism? Because you can't solve a problem until you define a define problem. Define it, right. But thankfully for all of us, there actually is a definition, the gold standard definition, which is the International Holocaust Remembrance Alliance, mm-hmm. IHRA, Working Definition of Anti-Semitism. Okay. This is something that was developed. It's a non-binding definition that has now been adopted by over 30 countries. It's been adopted by many states here. It has been adopted and endorsed by organizations at local levels, at national levels. In fact, the NRB last year, 
at the convention endorsed the IRA working definition of Mm anti-Semitism. And the reason that I say it's the gold standard is because it lays out this definition of anti-Semitism, but even more importantly, includes 11 contemporary examples of things that could be anti-Semitic. Okay. You know, holding Israel to a double standard that no other country is held to. That's true. Holding Jews collectively responsible for actions of the state of Israel. Right. You know, sort of this dual loyalty that if you're a Jew, you're, you support Israel over your home country. And right now the White House is getting a lot of pressure from some anti-Israel groups, Mm -hmm. some Mm anti-Semitic groups Mm -hmm. and groups on, you know, the woke progressive left. People could see my quotations. Yeah. uh, to include alternative definitions to anti-Semitism because to them, criticism of Israel, even to the point of holding it to a double standard, should not be considered anti-Semitism. Right. You know, they, they want yeah. to have their cake and eat it too. Right. <laughs> and, and so true. that is something that we as an organization were really founded upon mm-hmm. was the need to define this problem. And this is something that under bipartisan, or I guess you would call this a nonpartisan issue Mm -hmm. amongst our government in that from President Bush to Obama to Trump to Biden have all endorsed in some capacity this definition. It's been adopted by the State Department, Department of Education. This is something that is being recognized, yet there is a real strong battle being fought by the enemies of this definition. Mm -hmm. Because they know that this is actually accurately defining anti-Semitism today. Yeah. Well, you and I were talking a little bit about this last night. And, you know, one of, the, one of the tragedies is that the friendship between Israel and the U.S. is being threatened in subtle ways by this, this agenda, this woke agenda that, that advocates only on a power relationship and really distorts the entire friendship along very negative lines, uh, looking at Israel as a bad actor, looking at Israel's security as um, not as important, perhaps, as, uh, you know, we would take our own security issues. I mean, so, you know, with combat anti-Semitism, you know, and, and especially your outreach to the Christian community, I, I want to ask you, you know, what are, what are some of the things that you're doing? What are some of the ways that you're helping to promote a recognition that anti-Semitism still exists and, and that people, you know, need to, to fight it? So the first thing that we're doing is is educating people. If you're a Jew living in America, you have either experienced anti-Semitism or know someone who's experienced mm-hmm. anti-Semitism. Mm-hmm. You've certainly seen the reports of anti-Semitism. For the most part, the non-Jewish community doesn't see the day-to-day anti-Semitic activities that are happening unless you get some major attack like the Tree of Life synagogue. That was something that got national attention. But generally speaking, the day-to-day attacks on Jews are not being covered by the media the way that other minority communities Mm -hmm. would be getting that same attention. So we're working to, to expose that, not for the sake of shock value, but to actually inform people that this is happening. It's happening in the United States. It's getting worse. It happens no matter where you are. Right. It's not only happening in cities. It's happening all over the place to yeah. all, all communities. And, and it's helping people become more aware. Yeah. So we, we have a weekly newsletter 
that people can sign up oh, through right. christians.combatantisemitism.org. I was going to give that website, yeah. but good. I'm I glad be- you did. I beat you to the punch. <laughs> we'll, we'll do that again later. Yes. But they can go on, sign up, and get our weekly newsletters, which will give you the bad. Yeah. It'll show you what's happening, yeah. but also giving you the positive, yeah. where the IRA, IHRA adoptions are happening, where Congress is talking about this issue, uh, giving them positive developments that are happening in the world to fight anti-Semitism and, and looking awesome. at the trends that are happening so that you can really become much more informed. Yeah. Well, you know, I think it is a battle of information. It's a battle of winning people's ear to hear what anti-Semitism is, how it seeps in. Some of the things that you mentioned aren't something that we would immediately assume are anti-Semitic, and yet they are. And, uh, and I think uh, there's some very special uh, things happening, you know, uh, right now with the combat anti-Semitism movement. And uh, maybe you could talk a little bit about some of the things that you're sure. doing. Sure. Yeah. So our biggest initiative right now that I'm sure most people are unaware of is that the month of May is Jewish American Heritage Month. I thought it was uh, some other... <laughs> a, a, yeah, it's yeah, also yeah. Asian American right, Pacific right, Islander right. Month. Wonderful. Which it's also you know, you know, we are peanut very, butter and jelly month. But, very but, proud of, yeah. of that as well. Yeah. And, and all groups should be recognized. Right. But Jewish American Heritage Month does not get the recognition that others get. Yeah. And so we have launched a campaign that when Congress passed this and it was signed into law back in 2006, declaring the month of May Jewish American Heritage Month. It wasn't just this declaration. It also called upon states and local governments and the American people to celebrate the contributions of Jewish Americans to our history and culture, and calling upon states and local governments to issue proclamations. So as an organization, this has been our major initiative. We kickstarted this with an event on Capitol Hill, uh, April 27th. We had... 14 members of the House and Senate come, bipartisan representation, talking about the need to celebrate Jewish American history. And we have had all over the country proclamations from governors to legislatures to mayors to organizations putting out these messages. And, And really, for those that are hearing this, whether you're hearing this in the month of May or you're hearing this in the month of June... right. It is so important that people are aware. Go tell a friend or five friends. Just tell them, did you know that the month of May is Jewish American Heritage right. Month? Just to inform people about this. It is I, so vitally important. I would imagine most of my Jewish friends don't even know that the month of May. It's, it's very possible. <laughs> it is very possible. Well, that's something we need to definitely you know, make sure that everybody listening goes to that website, that christians.combatantisemitism.org. Uh, website and sign up for the newsletter and sign up for the action points because I know there's there's tremendous things that can be done uh, and should be done. How is the work of combat anti-Semitism being seen in Israel from from your perspective? I mean, how is it you know received there? It's being received very positively in in Israel as as, as you, you would could imagine. imagine right. As you could imagine, the the issue of anti-Semitism is one that obviously spreads beyond Israel. I mean, it impacts Jews all across the world, right? And it is actually very important to understand you know, anti-Semitism did not begin with Israel. Right. It began with Jews. Right. What's happened in the importance of this IRA working definition of anti-Semitism and the examples that it gives is that historically, when there's been issues within a society, when there's been uh, plagues, when economies 
are not doing well, there was always looking for a scapegoat. And so who is the scapegoat? It was always the Jews. The problems we have today are because of the Jews who live amongst us. The Jews are taking our jobs. The Jews are looking to do all these evil things. And that's why things are not going well. It was always the Jews living amongst us. With the reestablishment of the Jewish state of Israel Mm -hmm. in 1948, what has happened since then and what we see more and more often is that you could take all the anti-Semitic tropes that were pointed towards Jews and replace Jews living amongst us with the Jewish state living amongst the family of nations. Interesting. And it's just transferred. The coronavirus pandemic, the conspiracy theories that Israel was behind this. No. Historically, it's the Jews who yeah. caused the plagues. Now it's Israel that causes the pandemic. No. Right? These are the sorts of, of things that, Dangerous. that come out, this danger. And yeah. that really is the vital importance of yeah. this definition, which is why you know, we have called upon the White House to make it very clear when they put out this strategy yeah. that you don't talk about two definitions. If you have two definitions, you have no definition. Yeah, that's true. And right. a strategy that doesn't define the problem is worthless. Yeah. Wow. Really well said, EJ. And it's so important for everybody who, on our podcast listeners, who really does care about Israel to to make sure that they get informed about what anti-Semitism is, where it's showing up, how people can combat it, and to be a a voice for Israel through combating anti-Semitism. I'm excited to continue that conversation going forward with you. Yeah, and and I appreciate that. And I and I do want to say we are a nonpartisan organization. Right. And while I'm while I am going very yeah. hard on on the the White House, the mm-hmm. Biden White House right now, I do want to make a point that in the Congress there is a House and Senate bipartisan task forces mm-hmm. on combating anti-Semitism, and the Democratic leaders of those task forces have told the White House very clearly to include this IRA working definition wow. in their strategy. So yeah. this is not a partisan issue. Right. This right. is nonpartisan, bipartisan right. support that this is the gold standard definition right. that must be used if we're serious about actually tackling the issue of anti-Semitism. Well, I, I respect that. And I think that's really, really important. And, and you also work with other organizations. You're not doing this alone. You're actually, you know, concentrating, you know, your energy to help coordinate other organizations, right? Yeah. So the combat anti-Semitism movement, movement. was founded in 2019 and it's a movement. Right. We have... Nearly 2 million people that are part of this movement. We have over 600 organizations around the world that are part of this. And we help, you know, some are very small organizations that you've never heard of, but are doing good work, don't have the resources to do as much as they can. So we network with them. We help connect them with other organizations. We will help amplify the work that they're doing and help so that they don't have to to spend money doing stuff that others are already doing. Mm. So we are unique in that respect in fighting anti-Semitism to make this a global grassroots movement to end the world's oldest evil. Okay. Well, I think we may be in danger of losing some of our electricity. <laughs> There's a thunderstorm going on outside. Yes. Well, you know, it's amazing. I'm glad to, to hear that. I'm glad to hear about the network. And I'm glad to hear about that this is a movement that literally has millions of people. We need more. And we need more people to, to really engage with combatantisemitism.org for all of our listeners, evangelicals, who really want to be a part of uh, standing and adding our voice to support Israel. Uh, EJ, we're going to come back and talk about your other big hat that you've got on uh, and why you're here 
here. And uh, we're going to take a quick break right now, but we're going to come back and talk about the U.S.-Israel Education Association. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Our verse of the day today is found in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. Then the Lord said to Abram, Leave your country, your kindred, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you, and all the families of the earth will be blessed through you. Our prayer requests today are for the church in the U.S. to pray for Jews, not only in Israel and throughout the Middle East, but around the world, and even here in America, that are facing anti-Semitic attitudes and actions. And second, for Christians around the world, put their arms around their Jewish neighbors so we can fulfill God's command to bless his people. Well, EJ, I'm so glad we're back for a second half of this conversation, and Hopefully, before the power goes out, we can uh, we can do that. I know we're still recording audio. I hope our, our video is coming through reasonably well. But you're also the Director of Policy and Strategic Operations for the U.S.-Israel Education Association. That sounds great. What What is that? What kind of organization is that? So the U.S.-Israel Education Association is a nonprofit that educates bipartisan members of Congress on the U.S.-Israel collaboration. And our work is tied to three pillars. We bring members of Congress to Israel. We go throughout Israel. We go into the territories to show them areas that they wouldn't normally see, Mm. even though they hear about them, but they don't actually see them. Uh, We educate on Capitol Hill and provide thought leadership in the media. So that's sort of our, our general work. And sort of into brass tacks, As an organization, we were founded in 2011 and started bringing members of Congress who would go usually to Israel as a freshman member, taking more senior members back to Israel to take things to the next level. And I'd say one of our biggest successes, initial success, was members on a trip from the House Armed Services Committee met with the then Prime Minister and now Prime Minister Netanyahu. (laughs) about Iron Dome, which now everyone knows about Iron Dome, but back then it was classified. And they told the prime minister they wanted to see it. He declassified it. They saw what it was and the potential life-saving possibilities. 
And within six months, Congress started funding Iron Dome. And that collaboration in the defense space has just continued to grow now with joint missile development and protective technologies. Yeah. So, And that all emanated from that first trip that USIEA took these members on. Wow, that's incredible. And, you know, the, the, the ongoing relationship uh, requires education, doesn't it? I mean, we can't, this is part of the big challenge. One of the things that you and I are also working on is, is trying to educate uh, Americans, um, in particular pastors, about why if we don't keep educating them about this unique relationship, how we're going to lose it. Um, we could be one generation away from uh, a church in America that doesn't recognize the unique relationship between America and Israel and work everything we can to help maintain that. Yes, it's, it's vitally important to provide this education. We've got members of Congress that come in, and they're coming in after younger people coming in who have been, in some cases, indoctrinated is too strong of a term. Mm-hmm. They've been influenced by their surroundings. Yeah. Not, not a direct indoctrination, but right. the surroundings, there's just a, a narrative yeah. out there that... Israel, which is shocking to an older generation, but Israel has become the Goliath in the David versus Goliath story. Exactly. Right? Yes. Israel is no longer the David fighting against the big bad Arab armies. <laughs> yes. They're the Goliath and the Palestinians are the David. And, yeah. and what we're helping to educate is that that is a misconception of the conflict. Mm-hmm. It's not the Palestinians versus Israelis. Palestinians, the Palestinian people are working together with Israel. Absolutely. It is the Palestinian leadership. Mm-hmm. It is Hamas mm-hmm. and Palestinian Islamic Jihad yeah. that is doing a disservice to the people. Sure. They're waging a war against Israel, a war that almost the entire world has recognized sure. is over, yes. a war that Israel won in 1948. Right that the Arab armies attack them, mm-hmm. but there are some unwilling to, to recognize that. So we're helping to understand what is happening today, the collaboration between Israelis and Palestinians, especially areas like integrated business, Yes, that people are shocked to hear Israelis and Palestinians yes. are working together. Yes. I but mean, it's happening. It's totally happening. And, you know, I, we've talked about uh, one of our dear friends, an attorney who works extensively with the business community in Israel. A lot of times he'll, he'll uh, via Zoom from Jerusalem, talk to a, an education or a business class in, uh, in a U.S. university. And he'll say, OK, human rights is a huge issue in the Middle East. Let me tell you what happened to this community. And he, he, he goes down a list of human rights violations, unjust imprisonments, lack of, uh, you know, the ability. And goes, if I told you I was talking about Israel and the Palestinians, which one would you think those human rights violations took place in? And, you know, the majority of people have been, like you said, exposed to an environment where the oxygen in the room is filled with this view that Israel is the, the bad actor. So a lot of them will say, well, that must be the Israelis against the Palestinians. He goes, no, it's the Palestinians against their own people. It's the Palestinian Authority and the Hamas and, and the others that are doing that. And where we see collaboration, cooperation is lived out in the day-to-day lives and work lives of, of Palestinians and uh, Israelis, uh, Jews and Arabs, Muslims, Christians and uh, Jews uh, working together and living together. That's the beautiful picture 
that I think the education needs to, to emphasize. And I'm sure you've seen similar things like that where the, the misconception is massive. Yes. And so there are two major initiatives that I want to mention to your audience. And, sure. and they can go to usieducation.org to read more about it. The first one is integrated business. This is business between Israelis and Palestinians, specifically those living in the West Bank, in mm-hmm. the disputed territories, mm-hmm. where most people don't realize that under Israeli law, Palestinians who are able to go through the checkpoints and mm-hmm. come over and work in these Israeli communities mm-hmm. are entitled under the law to the same pay as Israelis, to the same benefits as Israelis. Exactly. And in certain cases, they're making three to five times as much as they would make doing similar work under the Palestinian Authority control, which right. benefits the Palestinian Authority because they're still paying taxes, like we all pay taxes. Yep. Yep. And that means that they're paying taxes on a higher income. And this provides the Palestinian people, mm-hmm. what do people want to do with their family? They want to provide for their family. Yeah, sure. So now they're making more money. They can provide a home for their family. And it discourages terrorism because they have hope for the future. Exactly. And what we're hoping is... The reality today is there is no peace process. Mm-hmm. And people can point to their reasons for why it's not. You can put blame on both sides. It doesn't matter. The reality is there's no peace process today. Mm-hmm. But we need to be doing something so that in the future there can be a possibility for a real peace. Right. And economic integration, business can help bring that. And, so true. and which actually leads into the other the initiative. Second, the second initiative. Right, yeah. which is... Look at real peace, and that's the Abraham Accords. Right, right. And what I wanted to mention is another initiative that we have called America's Medical Friendshoring Solution. Okay. Which is looking and tackling our supply chain challenge, yeah. our pharmaceutical medical device supply chain over-dependence on China, mm-hmm. and looking at ways to friendshore some aspects of it to the Abraham Accords countries, Wonderful. to Israel, Morocco, yeah. Bahrain, the UAE, between the innovation, the manufacturing capabilities. There is an opportunity to look at the Abraham Accords region and future countries mm-hmm. as a staging ground for the U.S. offshore life science supply chain. Yeah. Sure, bring back what we can, but what right. we can't Let's look for a place that's Partners more that we, secure. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, the, 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 I'm glad you brought up the Abraham Accords. I'm, I'm glad you brought up this as, a, as an integrated approach because, you know, there's, uh, there's so much potential for seeing investment into this area as a result of the Abraham Accords. And, and again, I think one of the biggest tasks, podcasts like ours, others, is to, to make people aware of the benefits of doing this and how it's really integral, I think, to our mission at the Joshua Fund to, to, to bless those who bless Israel. You know, when, when God is blessing us, <laughs> we like to believe it's because we're doing something that he's in favor of. And, uh, and I can tell you that peace is always in God's favor. God always smiles when people make peace. He said, blessed are the peacemakers. And, you know, from our perspective, what you're doing is really helping to, uh, you know, bring about that acceleration of the fabric of peace and to really dispel some of the, the darkness and, and, and myths uh, around what's taking place in the Middle East. And I couldn't be happier with, uh, with getting a chance to hear about this. And, and so the website, again, is USI Education, usieducation.org. And that's where they'll be able to have access to uh, all of the, the examples and stories and various other things that you just 
shared about? Yes, yes. And we've got a resource page for both the Integrated Business Initiative as well as America's Medical Friend Shoring Solution, as well as other resources for your listeners to learn more about yeah. the work that we're doing and just to get more educated about the issues going on. Well, I know a lot of our listeners are, are people who really deeply care about Israel, about the neighboring countries, including the Gulf states that are part of the Abraham Accords. But most of them are in business somewhere. And so the idea that you're helping to promote the capacity to use the the laws and the, the agreements that are under the Abraham Accords and get the U.S. mobilized in that, I think that can be a, a huge win for everybody listening to, to really pray for and to really work towards uh, seeing that happen. And so I want to, I want to go over those uh, websites again. Combat antisemitism is christians.combatantisemitism.org. And we're going to, you know, encourage people to go there, get the newsletter and do little things in, in, in big ways, uh, for, uh, combating that, that pernicious thing called antisemitism. And, and urging you all to, to share that May is Jewish American heritage. Month. Yes. It is a very small ask but it will have such a huge impact. Yeah, no question about it. And then, of course, the USIeducation.org for the U.S.-Israel Education Association. Man, EJ, it's great talking with you. I'm so glad you could be on the program with us and and really enjoy getting to know you a little bit better and, and do that. And I know Joel sends his greetings and looks forward to seeing you in Israel sometime when you're when you're there pretty soon. Sounds good. Well, I appreciate the opportunity to share with you. Well, God bless you. And, and to our listeners, if you would like to learn more about what the Joshua Fund is doing, you can visit our website at joshuafund.com. And there you can learn about what we're doing in the Middle East to bless Israel and her neighbors in the name of Jesus and how you can participate in the healing work that we're doing in this critical region. And as always, if you've heard anything from this show that you'd like more information on, you can check out our show notes. For Joel Rosenberg, I'm Carl Muller. Thanks for listening to this episode of Inside the Epicenter. Hi, this is Joel Rosenberg, founder and chairman of the Joshua Fund. And I've got exciting news. In 2023, I'm inviting you on behalf of our entire board and staff to come to the Holy Land, to come to Israel on the next prayer and vision tour. This is the 75th anniversary of the prophetic rebirth of the modern state of Israel back in 1948. And what is God doing here? It's amazing, spiritually, economically, in so many ways. There's been so much growth, so much progress, but the best is yet to come. And we want you to see it. We want you to walk where Jesus walked. We want you to see where the apostles ministered. We want you to see where people's lives were transformed by the love of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. We want you to see this city where Jesus died and rose again and where he's coming back, I hope soon. But in the meantime, come to Israel with the Joshua Fund. You can learn more about the trip, the itinerary, the cost, all the details at joshuafund.com. But sign up quickly because I think this thing is going to fill up fast. The Prayer and Vision Tour of Israel in the fall of 2023. I hope to see you there. And one by one, I watched my dear friends get engaged, get married, start having children. And especially as a woman, 
I felt like there was a certain timeline that these things needed to happen in my life. Charity Gale shares a personal testimony on The Walk, a podcast for worshipers. Join us weekly to hear songwriters, worship leaders, filmmakers, and other creatives tell their stories in the form of a devotional. The Walk can be found on lifeaudio.com or your favorite podcast platform.